Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Let me read to you from Acts chapter 9. We read the historic account of the conversion of Saul. Now, before Paul was called Paul the Apostle, he was called Saul. We read about him. It says, now Saul was still breathing threats. Look at verse 1 of Acts chapter 9. And murder against the disciples of the Lord. And he went to the high priest and he asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if he found anyone belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And he was traveling, and it happened that as he was approaching Damascus, that suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why dost thou persecuteth me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. Now it says the men that were traveling with him, verse 7, stood speechless. They were hearing the voice, but they weren't seeing anyone. But interestingly enough, though they couldn't see the Lord, they still heard his voice. What happened to Paul's eyesight? I mean, how bright was his appearance? Anyone remember here? It was brighter than the light at high noon. Here he is, this lightning. I mean, a light from heaven that flashed. It blinded him. Verse 8 says, Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. He saw something spiritual. He saw the Lord. But, man, you talk about a experience seeing the Lord in his glory did a number on his eyes. He couldn't see a thing. His eyes were open, and he was blind. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. He was there three days without sight. This isn't one of those, you looked at the sun, and then you looked away, and you see the little spot. And you're kind of blinded in one spot. He is blind from the brightness of the Lord for three days. He can't see. You think, oh, fried his retina or something. I don't know. But this is where the story gets interesting. The testimony of this man, he was breathing threats to go arrest, imprison, and beat anyone that claimed to belong to this thing called the way. That's what they called the other church, the way. Jesus said, I am the way. The truth, the life, no one gets the Father except through me. I mean, it was that simple. So the early churches said, what's it called? The way. The way to what? The way to God. Jesus is the way. That's all it's about, Jesus. And so Paul, he was there three days, three nights without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. And there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, he said, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. The Lord calls his name, and he's like, yes, I'm ready. Go ahead. What do you want to say? If the Lord calls your name, what are you going to do? I hope you say, okay, yes, you called me? Yes, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to hear it. Speak. Go ahead. When Ananias, this disciple of the Lord there in Damascus, heard the Lord call his name, he went, here I am. Ready. Go ahead. And the Lord spoke to him. So the Lord says to Ananias, get up. Go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. He has seen in a vision a man named Ananias that comes in and lays hand on him that he might regain his sight. So Ananias answered 
Lord, I've heard about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has here the authority from chief priests to bind all that call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and before kings and before the sons of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. What was Ananias' response to this? I don't think this is a good idea, Lord. Don't you know this is the guy that persecuted those that belong to your way? And he has authority to arrest us and take us into prison. And you want me to go to him? Lord, we should run from that guy, right? Anyone think there would be a good idea in the natural mind to not go pray for Saul? I do. I think I'd be like, I'm not sure I want to do Ananias' job. But listen to the words of the Lord. The Lord said, I have chosen him as an instrument of mine. You think God has chosen a persecutor of the church as an instrument that he's going to use? I mean, this is not how I would pick teams. If I was picking teams, I'd pick guys that were zealous for the right, not the guys that are zealous against the right. He was against the way of the Lord. He was full out persecuting the church. And just to show you, Jesus takes quite offense. Remember when he blinded him? And he says, Saul, Saul, why dost thou persecuteth my church? No, he said, why dost thou persecuteth me? Jesus had already died and rose. He was in heaven. Who was Saul persecuting? The followers of Jesus, the way. He was going after the Christians and persecuting them. Jesus said, why dost thou persecuteth me? You're picking on my family. You're picking on my followers. You know, David was a fighter, right? In the Bible, King David. And there was a few guys that fought in the scriptures, kind of the heroes of the faith. He says, you picked on him. You pick on my family. You picked on me. How does it make you feel thinking Jesus would stand up for you? It's good, huh? It's awesome. And Jesus stood up for the church when Saul, this mighty persecutor of the church, was causing so much distress. I'm going to read a little further in Acts here just to show you how much distress this one irritant cost to the church. I mean, this guy, his influence against Christianity was so mighty that when he gets converted by the Lord, it's going to take a little while to everyone believes that he's converted. But once they finally accept he is converted, it says the church will enjoy great peace for a season because the biggest irritant, the biggest persecutor got converted. See, but when we have big enemies come against us, we don't think, hey, why don't we pray for like Saul to Paul? But see, the Lord's going to tell him, Saul, get up. Now, this is interesting. Ananias goes to him in verse 17. He obeys the Lord. He's like, I don't think it's a good idea. The Lord said, don't worry. He's a chosen instrument of mine. And he's going to go in verse 15 to bear my name before the Gentiles and before kings, and before the sons of Israel. He's going to be used mightily. But I will show him how much he will suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed, he entered the house, and after laying hands on him, he said to him, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me that you might regain your sight, and that you might be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, 
and he regained his sight. And he got up and was baptized and he took food and was strengthened. Remember, he didn't eat for three days, three nights. He did not eat food or drink. He is sitting there fasting and he's blind. What do you think was going on? I submit to you he's having intense seminary experience with Jesus. Because Jesus told Ananias what he was telling Saul. He said, don't worry, I'm telling him how much he's going to suffer. You cause suffering, Saul, you're going to suffer. Did Saul suffer, by the way? Did Paul the Apostle go through any beatings or imprisonments or shipwrecks? or? Yeah, just a few. Five times he received 39 lashes from the Jews. 40 save one. When they said 40, pull back one, that means they beat you within one stripe of death. The Romans were so good at torture with the flogging that they could beat a man one more whip and that would kill him. And to just make him suffer, they'd whip him so severely, pull back that one, 40 save one, 39 lashes. Paul says, I received that five times. He was stoned. They drove him to the spot. They stoned him with rocks till he dropped dead. They threw him over the city wall into the rubbish heap. They didn't even give him a burial. They just literally pitched him over the wall into the trash heap. And you know what the Lord did? Get up, Saul. You're not done. Brought him back to life. And he went on and continued to preach. This guy suffered. But see, when Christians are introduced to their faith, I don't know why, but in American Christianity, we don't always introduce what I call with a realistic introduction. They're like, oh, come to Jesus. Everything will be wonderful. Your life will be so glorious. You won't have any problems. It's a bed of roses without thorns. And I'm like, who's blowing smoke here? This is not the gospel I read. Every guy that's come to the Lord in the scriptures, they suffer for their faith. Every Christian I know, I talk to them by their testimony, and you hear how things go. You know, some of their family members reject them all of a sudden. Some of their co-workers, their boss fires them. And they go through all this struggle because they just stand up for what's right. When people come to faith, I'd say, welcome to the roller coaster ride. And let me tell you, it's not going to be all easy. It doesn't mean it's not worth it. It just means it ain't going to be easy. I mean, the Lord told Saul what he was going to suffer. And I know the name it and claim it guys today would say, oh, don't talk about suffering. That's a distasteful subject. Why? Jesus told Saul everything he was going to suffer before he even started. I think it's just realistic. If you're coming to faith and you tell someone, hey, look, you're going to have to go through some sufferings. But our Lord suffered for us. And the Bible says, keep your eyes fixed on him, the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And even when you grow weary and faint, he says, consider the suffering that he went through. Just to give you a little boost to keep going through your suffering. Sometimes we suffer. But listen to this. The very next verse tells me, actually part of verse 19 says, he rose he took food, he was strengthened, and now for several days, he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately, immediately, this guy, who was a Pharisee of Pharisees, very learned in the scripture, but very against Jesus, he begins to preach Jesus in the synagogues, teaching that he is indeed the Son of God. 
And all those that were hearing him continued in amazement. And they were saying, is this not the guy who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on this name and who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ. And when many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they were also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death. But his disciples took him by night. They let him down through an opening in the wall and lowered him in a large basket. And when he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples there, but they were afraid of him. And they didn't believe he was one of the disciples. But Barnabas took hold of him, brought him to the apostles, and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that the Lord had talked to him, and how in Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. And he was with them then, moving freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. And he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, that's the Greek Jews, but they were attempting to put him to death. The guy's been a Christian all of a day or two, and guys are trying to kill him for his faith. In American Christianity, we have very little of this, where you come to Christ and then all of a sudden you're threatened at the very giving of your life for your faith. But in some places in the world, if you come to Jesus today, you even have one page of the scriptures, they'll kill you. You choose to follow Jesus and have everlasting life at the possibility of losing your life here. This guy comes to the Lord. He went from persecuting the church to where, guess what? You're part of the group now. And guess what? They really hate you. They're going to kill you first. Get in line. They just like push him to the front of the line. Kill him first. It wasn't the Christians pushing him to the front. It was the persecutors of the faith that said, that guy used to be one of us and traitor. Just think about this. You're in a club that's really tight and then you jump ship. The examples that come to mind, how about the Hell's Angels? If you got initiated in, there was a saying that once you were in, you never went out. If you try to go out, what would happen? They kill you. It was like, you don't get to get out of this group. He was in the persecuting group. He's in the bad, tough guys persecuting this new movement that was following this Jesus as the Messiah. And now he says, guys, I changed my mind. I'm going to serve him. I found that he really is the Messiah. And they went, we're going to kill you now. First, he has to flee from Damascus. Then it says, he continues on, poor Paul. And when the brethren learned of it, the Hellenistic Jews were trying to put him to death. They took him down to Caesarea. And then they sent him away to Tarsus. Now that's where Saul's hometown is, Saul Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And it continued to increase. Isn't this interesting? The church has peace when the persecutor gets converted. Now, I only suggest this as an idea because in your life's journey, how many of you think we're going to run into someone who is violently opposed to your existence? If you haven't had it happen yet, you are so fortunate. I don't know why, but in the course of this life, there's always one of those jerks out there that likes to ruin your day. It could be a boss, 
colleague at work. It could be a neighbor, a next door neighbor. All of a sudden they get a wild hair. I'm going to sue you. Why is it just one of these people can make your day go so bad? You know what I'm talking about? There's one person that can just really turn your day horrible. They sour it with one act, one deed. Well, Saul was that guy to the whole church. And I just want to wrap this up by pointing out the very guy who God used so mightily for his work, the one he used to plant so many churches, the one he used to write such a great portion of the New Testament, was a former persecutor of the faith. And I submit to you, he wouldn't have been my pick. But the Lord had a little chat with him. He says, Saul, you're too full of yourself. And we're not going to call you Saul anymore. We're going to call you Paul. Just like he did with Peter. Remember Peter, Simon, no longer you're going to be Simon. Call you Cephas. You know, the Lord doesn't mind renaming guys. He renamed Saul to Paul. And this is good for some of the new believers. They didn't know that. They're going, he keeps switching. I don't know. Is, is Saul a different guy than Paul? No, it's the same guy. It's just who's telling the story at that point. He was Saul while he persecuted the church. And then you're going to see his name will start to be referred to as Paul after the Lord does a work in humbling him and getting him ready to be used. Now, if only I would listen to Jesus. Turn with me to Matthew 6. We'll end with this verse. The words of our Lord. Jesus said in verse 43 of Matthew 6, You have heard it said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus says this, verse 44, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. We have one father who is in heaven, our heavenly father. And if you want to be one of his kids, he says, you need to do this. You love your enemies and you pray for those that persecute you. Now, some of you go, but I'm not going to pray for them. They're a jerk. They sent me a letter to sue me. That's how mean they were. They were horrible. They fired me. Listen, pray for them. Pray for them. And if you don't know what to pray, here's what I submit to you to do. I'm cheating a little. I'm, I'm using the material from today's sermon. If they're like really persecuting you and they're really a pain and they're an irritant in your life, like Saul was to the church, how about you do this prayer? We'll just call it the prayer of Saul to Paul. God, get them from being such a jerk and persecuting and make them from persecutor to preacher. Yeah, that's it. Let's fix their wagon from going against the things of the Lord to now they got to work for the Lord. That's a Saul to Paul prayer. Okay, that jerk, he really needs prayer. Lord, convert him. But don't just convert him. No, no, we don't just want him to come and sit in the back of the church and be an irritant to everyone else. We want a radical Saul to Paul conversion where he goes from being that irritant to being that one instrument that God uses. My, how good would this be if we prayed this for all our enemies? Or how about the enemies of our country? You want to bomb us out of existence. God took the very persecutor, the worst one, and put him on his team. And didn't just put him on the team in the back of the lineup in the dugout. Maybe you get to go a pinch hit once in a while. No, he put him as the star player on the team. What if we prayed that for all of our enemies of our countries? You know, all those guys are radical Islamists that want to blow us up and bomb us. Lord, convert them and save them. Make them proclaimers of your faith. 
Turn them to Jesus. I mean, if they're that zealous for the wrong, guys, do you understand? God doesn't mind zealous for wrong. It's just misdirected zeal. We just need to redirect. And when you're God, can God redirect zeal? Yes. Guys, sometimes I think the church has gone to sleep so much. They're just like snoozing. The Lord's coming. Jesus said, look up. The fields are white for harvest. There's so many souls. How many of you know somebody who doesn't know Jesus that you know you want to come to the Lord? Maybe you have a friend or a family member or a neighbor, and you're going, man, Lord, get them, please. Does any of you ever think, what if the Lord came for the church right now and they didn't get saved yet? What would happen for them? They're left behind. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, Left Behind. That would be a bad scenario. I want them to get saved. But, you know, the church has kind of gotten complacent. It's not really a big deal. Jesus, yeah, we know he's coming. There'll be some time. Do I really have to live like every day he might come? Yes, wake up. We do. We have to live every day like he could come right now. And while you're at it, don't let an enemy ruin your day. Do the Saul to Paul prayer. Start praying for your enemy. Pray, Lord, convert them. Convert them. All you got to do is touch them, change them, and put them on your team. You know what's funny? Some of you are going to start thinking about this. Can you imagine my auntie who is so against the Lord? Could you picture her being right in the front telling everybody? I mean, you're just going to start getting grins on your face when you start thinking about this because you'd be like, that jerk? Used for the Lord? It'll take your mind maybe a little while to wrap around it, but think about it. Did it happen in the scripture to the biggest persecutor of the faith? Then what's the problem with your family member? Some of you are like, you don't know my family member. I know this guy Saul was pretty zealous. I mean, to leave his hometown, to get marching orders, to go and arrest people, beat them, imprison them, put them to death. Do you remember when they martyred the very first martyr in the church, Stephen, who did they lay their robes at the feet of? Saul. This guy was in on the killing of Christians from the beginning, from the first martyr of the faith. That was his intro. And God goes, yeah, he's been at it a while. Yeah, he's a bad guy. I'm picking him. And Saul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. You know, when guys get picked on a team that know we were no good, but God is very good. We can teach you about grace. Paul was a great example of the grace of God. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord or at our podcast site, celebratethelord.org. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.
so amazing all the changes in my soul and now my life is way beyond value more precious than silver more valuable than gold and I'm so happy embraces her Is there